Welcome to Sounds from the Shelves. I'm Mika. I'm Lee. And sadly, we have no Sarah. Wah, wah. Scheduling mishaps, and we're actually at the Granite Library instead of the Kearns Library because Kearns is doing a really awesome all-day-long Create Space program. And that's why Sarah is not here, because they are helping out with that. So, whoop, whoop. Yep. So, we recorded at an earlier time our Read This section with Tammy, who I will introduce in just a second through the power of editing. Ooh. So, Sarah is there for that, but <laughs> not for everything else, sadly. <laughs> so, welcome, Tammy. We have Tammy here for our reader's advisory today. She's going to tell us all about the books that people don't want you to read that you should read. Take it away, Tammy. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Uh, So my name is Tammy Austin. I am the senior librarian with Early Learning. Um, Our office space is over in the West Jordan Library, and I'm glad to be here today. So I've got some great banned books to read. I thought I would start in the past and just kind of move forward. So my first one is Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. I've got a couple classics that I thought I would start with. Um, A lot of these classics, uh, we wonder what is a classic. So a classic brilliantly articulates universal themes like love, morality, death, adversity, essentially the human experience and offers revelatory insight and clarity to readers of any era. Classics are usually depressing also, I think, because it's hard to be human. So um, the four ones I thought of were Grapes of Wrath, Lord of the Flies, Fahrenheit 451, and 1984. Uh, They were published between 1939 and 1954. And the reason I chose those books was because they were really meaningful to me. So I read them in high school, and lots of times... uh, doesn't speak to you in high school. I'm not sure why we read them in high school. Then I went back and read them again as an adult and as a parent, and then they spoke to me quite a bit. Uh, So I think banning books that talk about what it's like to be human is counterintuitive. We already know a lot of these things, and it's nice not to feel alone. One caveat is these are all written by white men, so it's not a canon that speaks to everybody. So now I'm going to switch and get some other other books. So as we move forward, uh, the next book that's been banned many times is called Speak by Larry Hulse Anderson. It was published in 1999. And when I read it, I knew it had been banned because right when you hear a book is banned, then I'm like, ooh, I'm going to read it. So also <laughs> counterintuitive. Um, but I actually think Speak should be read by everyone should not be banned. It should be required reading. It was, it was pretty profound. Um, and I think a lot of these books are so profound and we actually quite, quite desperately need them. Uh, another one I really enjoyed is called Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell, uh, published in 2012. I love, I love their stuff. Uh, the thing I liked about Eleanor and Park is If you remember back to being a teenager, which was a long time for me, do you remember how like every emotion was like huge and (laughs) earth shattering? Like, and I feel like Eleanor and Park got that emotion because they were in love with each other and then they were going to be separated. And I remember feeling that way, like you were literally going to die because you couldn't be with the person you wanted to be with. I just thought that book was fantastic. I don't know why it was banned, actually, uh, but fantastic. Okay, and then let's move a little closer. 
Uh, my next one is called Milk and Honey, which is actually poetry. It was published in 2015, and I'm not sure how to the- say their name. Rupi Kara, I think, and it is uh, has some feminist themes in it. I'm always a big fan of anything with feminist themes. Also, we know a lot of that's going to be banned. So uh, go find those feminist books and read them. The next one is The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. I think a lot of people have heard of this one. It's really um, sparked a lot of, uh, a lot of discussion. Uh, Angie Thomas, the author, said, and I love this, books like hers are seen as dangerous because of the power they have to create change through empathy. I love that, right? Mm-hmm. The power to create change through empathy, which we know is, is one thing fiction is really good at, is I can read about somebody else's life experience and gain empathy and understanding, even if I may never experience that. Um, so that windows and mirrors thing. So The Hate You Give, fantastic. I think they made it into a movie as mm-hmm. well. Also, yeah. yeah. And she's written more things. So fantastic author. Great experience. And then my last one for today, written in 2019, uh, Gender Queer. And I'm pretty sure I talked about this during the Pride Month as well. Um, anytime I see a book make a lot of lists and you're like, gotta read it, gotta read it. Uh, this one is a graphic novel, which means it has lots of illustrations along with the text. And let me read really quick about it as well. It is a useful and touching guide on gender identity, what it means and how to think about it for advocates, friends, and humans everywhere. So it's good for everyone, uh, whether it's something your experience or something you want to learn more about. And again, um, the more a book gets banned, the more we all want to read it. So go read it. So not just older classics, which I think lots of times still have value, um, but don't always speak to everybody. Uh, we still need those kind of encompassing human experiences. And then there's lots of new stuff also that um, as we, I think, grow as a society and learn more about all different kinds of people, lots of new books come out that also we should read. So go read a band book. Yay! Yay. So we are excited to welcome today two guests from our system, uh, Katie Wegner and Wanda Huffiger. And they are here to talk to us about Band Book Month. Yeah. Woo. Or maybe boo, because band books aren't good. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Yeah, I'm Katie Wagner, and I work for the County Library and Acquisitions. And I also co-chair our reconsideration committee, along with Wanda. Okay, I um, work for the county also. I am at uh, Ruth Fine Tyler Library in Midvale and co-chair the Reconsideration Committee. Woohoo! And they're both awesome. <laughs> yes, as, as all librarians are. I think that is a requirement. You have to be awesome. Pretty much, <laughs> yep. yep. And own cardigans. Yes, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my uniform today. <laughs> all right. So we're just going to jump right in, and we'll start with what's hopefully an easy question. <laughs> what is Banned Book Month? You want me to take it? Wanda probably knows more about the history than I do. (laughs) It's it's actually Banned Books Week, and it was started as an attempt to highlight um, attempts to ban and censor books. Um, Started in the 70s, I believe, by Judith Krug, who was head of Office of Intellectual Freedom and the Freedom to Read Foundation. That's the simple answer. Woohoo! We like simple answers. Yes, (laughs) yes. But on Wednesdays, we like the complex. No, I'm just kidding. 
Um, <laughs> one says we were pink. Wait, wait. Right? <laughs> I was totally, I was waiting for somebody. <laughs> we might be on the same wavelength, maybe. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, next question. What is the difference between banned books and challenged books? Sure, I can take this one. So a challenge book is one that what somebody wants to reconsider or restrict access to. And a banned book is one that has been restricted. So people can't access it at a certain location. Like a book might be banned in California, but available here. Yeah, those thrown around a lot. I I do think people use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm, um, definitely. Yeah. And then people get confused and they're like, I thought that was banned. And you're like, no, it was just challenged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is great because, you know, you want people yeah. to question things. You want them to have the freedom to do that. But also. Um, <laughs> Especially during. Now, when I say banned books week, that's the one that's officially. But people celebrate it the whole month. And it's good for publicity to use and call them all banned. It has been. <laughs> Traditionally. <laughs> I'm sure at some point there so many books have been questioned, challenged, banned. So some more than others, but <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So what are some of the reasons that you guys have run into that people have for wanting to ban books? My answer? Mm-hmm. The reason that they want to is because they care deeply <laughs> and they feel deeply about issues. They are very concerned, and it's something that hits close to home to them, and that is why they want to challenge and ban books. It's because they sincerely and honestly care about the subjects in books that they are challenging, and that is the main reason that anybody, I think anybody, wants to do it. Now, if there's ever a political agenda, even with that, I think that it's because they cared deeply about the agenda that they are pushing. What do you think, Katie? I think that's a good good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and I think we've created really good avenues throughout Salt Lake County to let people provide feedback and comments on our materials and services, which can help us improve things for everyone. So I think it kind of fits in there too. It's true. You may not know this listener, but we want to know what you think about what we're doing at the library. <laughs> And, and telling us what you think about books or about programs or our displays is a great way to do it. We're, we're talking about banned books today. However, it also includes services, library services. And so we'll just use the term books today, but that's the same thing. We want people to let us know, and we will treat those with as much respect as any. So you guys have both mentioned our reconsideration committee. So can you tell us a little bit about that and what it is that the Reconsideration Committee does? Yeah. I don't know if, Wanda, you want to start with the background of it more since you were involved in getting it started. Initially, years ago, people would just complain about a book and somebody would write a letter. But I knew that there was a better way to do that because according to the Constitution, a book cannot be removed or a service can't be canceled unless it is given an honest review, unless it is reviewed first. So if someone complains, we can't, just, we can't just renew it. And that's a constitutional law that it can't just be removed. And so because I knew that <laughs> and I wanted to make sure that all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed, we made sure that we had some processes in place. So this has been 
a procedure getting in place for a few years to make sure that we had this in place. So rather than even just having a manager write a letter and return it, we've been putting this review committee in place so that someone can have it reviewed fairly. Not one person, but a committee with an odd number of people actually review this service. And and it is fair and it's it, it like I said, it's taken a little while, started <laughs> way before COVID to get it in place. It's been a work in progress. Um I'm I'm really I'm kind of proud of what we've done, aren't you, Katie? What do you think? Yes, it's a really great, thorough process. We've actually presented on it with <laughs> at different conferences to other librarians just to kind of give them those tools to do it themselves. And yeah, we have people volunteer for the committee. Um, it's kind of a time-intensive one. If we're reviewing a book, everyone on our task force reads the entire book. Then they're reading reviews, looking at stats, and then writing a little report on it, voting, and then the majority vote carries from there. And then after that, someone puts together a really thoughtful response to the patron on why we made the decision that we did. Now, sometimes it's only a picture book, so you don't have to read so much. It just depends <laughs> yes. on what it is. It's not bad. And, and uh, so it doesn't take so long to read that and do the review. And it's not that the thing that I like about it is that not just are we mandated by the Constitution to do this, is that people have a right to file, to file, and that also is guaranteed by the Constitution to um, have a right to petition the government. Mm -hmm. So we aren't, it used to be, I think, years ago when I started, we tried to discourage people from filing a reconsideration. And it was like, don't let them file this. Don't buy a book that they might um, challenge. And now we can be more free in what we buy because we're not afraid of having a reconsideration filed Mm -hmm. because they have a right to petition the government. And we don't discourage a reconsideration from being filed. It's not like we're out saying, please file this. We're not like (laughs) passing them out at the front door. But we understand that they have a right to petition and ask us to review it. And it's all, I don't know. We're we're pretty unique from a lot of library systems that I know across the country and a lot of people I've talked to. And we're pretty open. We're open with our public and we're open with people and... I think I think we've got a pretty good system. Awesome. Yeah. I guess compared to other places, um, does the county library receive a lot of complaints or requests for reconsideration for books and or programs? I don't know if we're necessarily receiving more than anyone else. Um, I know school libraries have been in the news a lot, but we serve such a bigger population. It's just kind of different because we're serving all ages, um, really big area with all of our libraries. So I don't think there's anything too abnormal here. We have certainly less this year than last year. We do. Yeah. Hmm. Which I'm hoping we've really promoted like active listening and making people comfortable with those conversations that they might be a little nervous about or afraid of. Um, just really listening and hearing people that goes a long space. way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So we're hoping that the people in the branches are listening to people and helping resolve the issues there. Mm-hmm. So while we don't 
mind reconsiderations were helping, hoping that people are um, helping resolve the issues there. On that level. We're hoping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Sometimes people just want to talk it out. So it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know I've, I've dealt with patrons before who it's not necessarily that they want a book pulled, although sometimes they do, but they really just want to let you know that they think that it's not a good book and that they don't think we should have it, but they don't want to do anything formal. They just want to voice their concern. And that's enough. Yeah. So. What's some of the criteria that you use when you review the books or programs or services? Yeah, I think the first thing we do is look at our own policies, like our collection management policies. So we'll look at that and make sure the material or service fits in there with our mission, those policies. We also look at reviews, um, statistics. So like, is this book really popular? Are people checking it out? Am I missing anything? We look at the challenge to make sure it has merit. Yeah. Does what, what they're complaining about, does it have merit? Like, did we follow those policies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, right. Is it when it's in a JF, should it be in a YF? If it's in YF, should it be an adult? Does, does what the things they're complaining about? And then did we really follow our policies? Because you know what? This may come as a surprise to a lot of people, but sometimes <laughs> librarians make mistakes. Sometimes what? What? <laughs> I thought I was infallible. <laughs> and sometimes we make bad decisions. And I don't want anybody to think that we can't make a bad decision. We are not on this committee to simply back up our decisions. None of us on this little task force have to say, we are here to simply back up our decision and find proof that we made the right one. Mm -hmm. We just want to look at it and say, does this have merit? Maybe somebody made a display that was really a bad choice. Maybe they put stuff in a children's display that maybe really shouldn't have been there. Maybe it was really a bad decision. And so we want to look and see if that has merit. And that's where we go to our all of our policies and see, does this, did they follow the policy? Mm-hmm. And then we look at the reviews and look and, you know, did they, maybe they didn't even order it off bibs and ordered it somewhere independently and didn't even, you know. So that's what we have to do is look and see if, the, if it has merit. Mm-hmm. For those of you who are wondering, bibs is the software oh. or program <laughs> we use to order all of our materials. So... Yes. Shorthand for librarians. <laughs> and, and then we fo- also follow intellectual freedom policy. We're not always just defending the book. We follow intellectual freedom policy to did, does it follow standards from ALA, the, the Library Bill of Rights? Couldn't think of it for a minute. Um, is it following um, standards from there as well? So we're pretty, we're fairly strict, mm-hmm. but we're all professionals, so we should know all of that anyway and follow that anyway when we're ordering or doing our displays or programs or whatever we're doing. So this kind of goes in line with what you were saying, Um, but you were talking about the criteria, um, the merit, things like that. Um, So did you get together as a group and decide these these points that you wanted to follow and um, how does ALA and their thoughts about censorship kind of work in. I know you spoke a little bit about that, but you guys want to go further into that? Yeah, we do 
a lot of training with our committee. I think that's mostly what our meetings are focused on, um, mm-hmm. how we do reviews, the resources we're going to, how to respond to people. Um, we also do trainings for the system. So I think there's a lot of education in it. And I think we learn a lot from every request that we get and do and are able to share that throughout the system, what we've learned. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of training that goes into it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny that like you know, now that I work at a library, I feel like I all my training is how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you would think by now that, you know, we'd all learn, but we don't. You know, there's always something new to learn, a new way to say something so that it doesn't come across defensive or offensive or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I, and you know, culturally, it, it changes from people to people. Like, I'm from upstate New York. Sometimes if I raise my voice, everyone thinks I'm yelling and I'm mad. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to project. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or like, you have a tone. And I'm like, no, I swear there's no tone. (laughs) That's just how I talk. Um, It's like some people just look upset all the time, even when they're not. And you're like, why are you upset? And they're like, no. We have a review form. Actually, that's standard for everyone who reviews the book to fill out. So they're just not all over the place. So yeah, it tells them what to do. And that is just a standard review form that they use. So Right. And they're evaluating the whole material, too. Mm-hmm. Um, not just like a paragraph or words. They are looking at the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you think it's important to fight against banning books and why or why not? I think people should always have the right to, again, like challenge things, petition the government. And I don't know if fight against banning books is the right word. I think people should celebrate that they live somewhere where they can read and access so many materials because that's not true of so many places. Um, So yeah, I think people can do that by reading whatever they want to read (laughs) and Mm -hmm. not reading what you don't want to read too. I I have changed a lot over time to fight against banning books. I think what we need to fight against are are people who don't follow policy. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone should have a policy, and if you don't follow policy, then that's where the problem is. If a school district has a policy, then they should follow the policy. They should have a review policy in place and People can challenge a book, and if they follow the policy and it gets goes to a committee and it gets banned, then they followed the policy. Then there should be an appeal policy in place, and that's what I think. I think that it should just be, I'm not going to go fight against people's policies. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. We have our policy, I believe, I, I don't know. I support the Constitution. I believe in people's right to appeal to the government. If people believe these books don't belong, then they have a right to file reconsiderations. I I don't love organized challenges, mm-hmm. of organized groups doing that. But you know, I I that's a whole different issue. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that. Somebody who thinks we have done something wrong, then they sure have a right to challenge us, have us look at it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I really have gotten much, much less militant than I may ever have been. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that fighting causes or 
I don't I don't know that it's really the best way to change things. I agree. I really like like when people have a, a problem or a concern with a book or program or whatever, and they come and talk to us. I love the chance that opens for a conversation. So mm-hmm. often we get stuck in like our own viewpoints of things. And this is what I think is right. And we forget that not everybody in the community is the same and not everybody yeah. thinks the same. And it's great to be able to, as a public institution, represent those various viewpoints, the ones that, that I personally agree with and the ones I personally don't agree with. So, And if they don't like our decision, they can appeal it to the director. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a process for that. They don't agree with us. There's an appeal process. And they don't like his decision. They can appeal it to the board. We have a you know, it's a great process in place. Mm-hmm. They don't have to believe in what we believe. We don't have to fight about this, and I. it doesn't have to be. I know there are places where you want to I, – I know because I have friends, some in different states, who they want to file a reconsideration. They take it straight to the director, and that's the final word. I think, ah, that that's kind of too bad because there's no committee. The director makes a decision. There's no um, – Nobody to sort of ponder it and think about it. That's one. And I got in a, a discussion last year from on the way to the airport, and I said, but what, what if you're not always right? <laughs> what, if, what if your decision isn't always right? And, and she's a committee chair this year. She said, well, I know, but, you know, I was the final decision on buying the books. I know that's why you might not always be right. <laughs> yeah. So I really think we have a good process in place where there's a lot of ways for the voice of people to be heard. And I think it's great. Mm-hmm. It's, and so it's nice to have policy to fall back on, you know, when, that's right. when you're unsure and then to have a group that you can go to and be like, I'm not sure about this. What are your thoughts? Um, Because I think that's, that's a lot of power to give one person. (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And you're right. Not everybody's going to be right. Not everyone's going to make informed decisions. I mean, depending on where it is, you could be getting, you know, 10 reconsiderations a week. Like, do you have the time to actually go through each and every one of those? Probably not. I mean, there's some places now they're using like AI yeah. um, stuff to go through yeah. the books mm-hmm. and they're finding that the AI is pulling books that it shouldn't be pulling. So, yeah. I will say trusting any complex process to an AI is probably a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least at this point. We'll see in the future. Yeah. <laughs> um, so ALA has a theme this year of Let Freedom Read. Um, for Banned Books Week. Um, What does it mean for the county library system? Yeah, I think with Banned Books Week, we were seeing some confusion and feedback from the community and from staff, like, why are we promoting banning books? We're like, well, it's really not about this. It's really about recognizing that we have the freedom to read and celebrating that. But when you call it Banned Books Week, it is a little bit confusing. So we're really excited about the Let Freedom Read slogan this year that we can do displays with and just let our community know that we are advocating for their right to read whatever they want and making that information accessible to a bunch of different people. 
Um, so I'm really excited. I think it's a lot more positive and reflects what we're actually doing. I think it's pretty exciting when they um, talked to us about this last February, because they announced it at all the little committees for mm-hmm. AL, ALA, said there's hundreds and hundreds of books being banned. Why do we want to focus on 10, the top 10, when there's hundreds? And showed us the little um, picture, but that's not the word. What's a logo? Graphic. 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 Yeah. Yeah, logo <laughs> graphic. And it's so great because if you've seen it, it's like a book opening up with Let Freedom Read on the inside. You guys should look at it. It's so great. You should. <laughs> you could get hoodies and bookmarks and marketing has stuff you can get, but it's so great. You should go look at it. Stickers and buttons and might get a hoodie with this one because it's so great because the book pages are opening up and it's like kind of like this bird opening or book opening with let freedom read on the inside and i i don't know i just think it's it is so positive that i i love it and i think it's a great message it's why i came back and told (laughs) i told everyone (laughs) okay this is what i think we should do this year just because it's such a positive message about reading and choice and choosing and I love it. And I'm sure if you go to our libraries when this comes out, it will be technically after Band Book Week, but I'm sure there will still be displays up and you will probably see it on a display at the library. Hopefully all <laughs> yes. the libraries <laughs> <Hopefully>. will <laughs> use the stuff from marketing and use it and make great displays with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, last year I used our cricket to um, make the last year ALA had the the cage and the birds flying free um, what was it censorship divides us so what unites was the, us books read, unite us books oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I, I had it in my I swear I had it in yeah. my head before we started and it's now like, it's gone it's like when you need to recall an author <laughs> yeah um, that's yeah <laughs> um Anyways, they do a great job with their graphics and yeah. slogans, um, but I really, really love last year's with the cage and the birds. So I used our cricket in our create space, and I <laughs> made a bird cage and um, rainbow birds, and I put it all yeah. around the display, and we got so many compliments on it. So, well, I I love it that this year marketing is buying the graphics for this from ALA. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. so we own them. Yes. <laughs> and there, I just love it. All right. Now we're going to go around the room. This is for Lee and I, as well as for our guests. What is your favorite band or challenged book that you have read? Am I starting? Sure. I feel like this changes every time I answer it. But <laughs> <laughs> It's like asking a librarian what their favorite book is. Panic. It'll always yeah. change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I think mine is Persepolis by Marjane Satrapi. Um, It's a graphic novel about a young woman growing up in Iran during the revolution. And I think it's a really great place to start if you've never read graphic novels before, because it's all black and white illustrations and it's easy to follow. And I just think it's a great one. I recommend it a lot. Awesome. Um, I was thinking about this question and I'm like, you know, I have to really look up what books have been banned or challenged um and yeah you can find so many lists um but (laughs) it some of them surprised me um especially since and I might be dating myself here 
but they were required reading in high school and Mm -hmm. now they're challenged. So, you know, The Bluest Eye and um, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Um, But I've also learned that um, Rupi Carr was also challenged at some point for her poetry collection, Milk and Honey. And, you know, and if you've been listening for a while, you know, poetry is my jam. So I was actually (laughs) very surprised um, because normally you don't see poetry books being challenged. And I kind of made a joke that like, because, you know, no one's reading poetry. So (laughs) or they don't understand it. So they don't get the nuances of it. But um, yeah, so there's a couple of those. um, Oh, there's so many. There's too many. Um, but yeah. So I did not put an answer on my paper. <laughs> I never do this. I never participate in these. <laughs> I never do what are you reading? I never do what are your favorite books? I never ever do these. <laughs> so there's no answer on this. I will tell you this though, sort of related. I, I've been giving my grandkids banned books for Christmas presents <laughs> and picking them out specifically for them, like, what do I think they need in their life right now? What is appropriate for them? What do they like? So that's as close as you're going to get to me. (laughs) That's fair. No, this one's hard for me, too, because there's so many books that I like. Um, I've settled on, at least for today, (laughs) Um, Speak by Laurie House Anderson. Um, it's a really great book about a young woman who uh, was sexually assaulted and kind of the aftermath of that. Um, and one of, the reason it's called Speak is because she like literally doesn't speak after it happens. Um, and so it's kind of her journey to finding her voice again. And it's really powerful and it really, I think it's a really great way of seeing like what sexual assault does to somebody. Um, and gaining that understanding and that empathy for people who have been through that experience. Sometimes I feel like, well, maybe isn't the case besides the fact that I don't talk about what I read much, but sometimes I think, oh man, if I name one, this would like be disloyal to another author. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to do that. It's it's kind of like we usually do um, poetry month and it's like, oh, who's your favorite poet? And I'm like, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all the poets. Um, um, and that's hard. It's hard to pick a favorite because it, it's forever changing. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be the ones you love a lot and you tend to gravitate towards or you, you gift them a lot. Um, so... Because I thought, oh, yeah, Laura Holsoff-Anderson, she was at that that reception last summer. So I forgot. Maybe I could have said hers. But, oh, wait, so was Jason Reynolds. So what if he found out that I said her? Um, If either one of them listen to this podcast, oh, my goodness. Please let us know. If you listen, we want to know. We all say hello. <laughs> really, any authors. We'd be yes. excited to know that any authors listen to us. 
All right. Well, that is all our prepared questions. Is there anything else that either of you wanted to say about reconsiderations or challenging books or any lasting thoughts you really want people to remember from this? I just I just want people to feel like this this year, especially just feel free to go and read exactly what you want and choose. Don't let anybody tell you. Don't let anybody tell you what you can choose to read. Anybody, you know, and I shouldn't really say this. How many kids listen to this? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Probably mostly adults. Yeah, I would guess not many. It's mostly kids, librarian, but... <laughs> library staff, to be honest. I think, and teachers. <laughs> we hope but, there's kids listening. <laughs> but even even like kids, I know we always say only parents. You can only tell your kids and only your kids to read. And I and I want. I know that parents are concerned about all children, and they can be. They can be concerned about all the children in their neighborhood, and that's okay, and that's fair. It's fair to be concerned about more. You can't tell them what to do, but you can be concerned, and I don't want to ever discount the fact, and I don't want people thinking you can tell parents, oh, you can't really care about other kids, because you can. You can care about them. But I also don't want kids thinking, Oh, this sounds really bad. Thinking that they can't read anything just because their parents don't want them to. You know, that they, yes, their parents can be in charge of what they check out, but they also have some rights to read and do and view what they want. And yes, they're in charge of what they check out, and yes, they can be in charge of what they see. But I I would hope that maybe maybe they come in the library and sit in the corner and read a book. And maybe they, I don't know, read something that they want to somewhere, that they have some choices. You know, I, I sometimes feel bad when a kid wants to read a graphic novel and the parents don't let them. So I think, man, I can't do this as a librarian. I can't be subversive like this. But I kind of want to say to them, come in after school and <laughs> just sit in the corner and read it. Right. And as soon as you tell them not to read something or it's something their parents are like, I really want you to read this, they're going to be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we can't do that. That's not our job to do that. Mm-hmm. But I just wish I could just encourage everyone to just take some time and read what they want. Be free and read what they want. And I, I don't ever, ever, I hope that no one in charge <laughs> says that I came in here and said to tell kids to go <laughs> behind their parents' backs, because that's not the point. I don't <laughs> want to do that. I just want to help encourage people to just choose and read what they want, and kids obey your parents. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a very fine balance between the child's <laughs> yes. right to access whatever and the parent's right to govern the child. It, it is. <laughs> right. Um, but I, yeah, I lost track of how many times the parents like, oh, all they read are comic books. I'm like, well, they're actually graphic novels. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, sitting down with them and talking to them about the different skills that build from reading graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and some are just so, so amazing that, you shouldn't discount them. They're still books. It's still reading. Without lecturing them. Yes. You don't want to lecture the people. You don't want to fun, fun fact, I don't remember the exact numbers off my head anymore, um, but graphic novels actually tend to have more lexical complexity than regular novels do. 
Anyway, yeah. just encourage people to read what they want. Maybe everybody will get excited. Like they're right. reading. They're opening books. Mm-hmm. Like, don't. It should be fun. It should yeah. Be fun. Yeah. yeah. If it's yeah. not fun, kids won't do it. Yes. Right. Well, I mean, as an adult. You're like, it's true. Well, yeah. So I was just, someone had put a post up and they're like, do, do you finish a book you don't like? And I was like, oh, you're yeah. an adult. You, it doesn't matter. If you don't like it, you do not have to finish that book. Yeah. Like, yeah. that is your right. Yes. It's, it's you don't interesting. have a book report. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting to me the number of adults that feel compelled, like, if they start a book, they have to finish it. No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Life is too short. Just yeah. toss yes. the book away. Yeah. It's so fine. True. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, give it that one star I am also, if you feel like it. Yeah, I am also guilty of this, <laughs> and I've had to train myself. No, it's okay. Just don't. <laughs> yeah, which is also you're right. Yeah. That's your yeah. freedom. You can choose. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The library is great, especially when I'm recommending books to kids. Like, take a few, and if you don't like it, just bring it back. Try another one. But <laughs> <laughs> I cost you anything the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's wonderful free trials. <laughs> All right. Any last words from you, Katie? So, yeah, I think keep reading what you want to read and don't read what you don't want to read. Don't feel bad about it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, for being here with us today and talking to us about our reconsideration process and Band Book Week. Um, if you haven't been into the library, come into the library and check out our Band Book Week displays. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to tell us something, if you have questions or concerns about our podcast or our episodes, let us know. Send us an email. You can reach us at shelvespodcast at slcolibrary.org. Um, and you can find new and old episodes of this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Because we're everywhere. We're everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And next month, we're in for a treat. We're going to talk about Native American Heritage Month. Should be awesome. Yes, I'm excited. I expect to learn a lot of stuff because Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about the Native tribes in the area. So I'm super excited. There's actually quite a few. I was digging into some history. I am also very excited about it. So. Tune in next time. Woohoo! <laughs> and until then, right. bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.